Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and before we start the show, I want to give a quick uh, mention about our new website that we just launched. I'd love for you to go check it out and see who's coming on the show. Um, You can go to womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. Today, I have a local lady in the studio with me who I'm thrilled to have. She's also a fellow alum of Villanova University, which makes me very happy. And her name is Maureen Petrosky. Maureen is a lifestyle expert and author and also a TV host. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We are going to get right into your background and where you grew up and and a little bit about your family to give the listeners a sense of, you know, where you've come from and, and what shaped the work that you do today. So um, you grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. I did. I grew up in Washington Crossing, and I have two sisters and one brother. I'm the third, so one of the middle children. And I lived there my whole life, and I just moved back. After I had my kids, I had them in Manhattan, but I moved back to Bucks County to raise them. Okay. Um, How long were you in New York? I lived in Manhattan for three years. Three years, okay. And before that, I was in Atlanta. And before that, I was in Hyde Park, New York, when I went to Culinary Institute. I went right after Villanova. Okay. So so you've done some traveling. Yeah, we lived yeah. a couple of places, but I knew my heart was here, and I wanted to come back to Bucks. Yeah. I, I, Bucks County in particular is beautiful. It is. Um, you went to an all-girls high school. I did. Villa Joe. Villa Joseph Murray. Villa Joseph Murray. In Holland, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And that was a great experience for me. I mean, I know that it seems kind of old-fashioned, and even talking to my kids about schools that are just that aren't co-ed, they have no concept because they go to a co-ed school. I thought going to an all-girls school was a great experience for me. It was a great place where I forged friendships that I still have today and, you know, was able to really flourish in an environment that wasn't, you know, you weren't riddled with worried about what you were looking like or, you know, boys. So I was able to uh, really enjoy my experience there. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the all-girls academies and I do think it it, um, really helps to develop confidence. Um, and what is your take on that? Would you say, you know, aside from the fact that you were just kind of surrounded by girls and, and um, you know, friends, would you say it really did contribute to this um, self-esteem and, and confidence that, you know, that kind of um, prepared you to be a leader in your field? I think every step of the way, you know, there's part, I, part of every experience I can take that made me into who I am now. But definitely in that environment, I felt like, it was a, there was just a sense of ease there when there you were in a not not in a co-ed environment all the time, mm-hmm. um, not just to learn but like you mentioned to build confidence and leadership roles. It was a small school also, so I do think that the size also helped develop you know confidence and let me kind of be me without having to get through so many other people. Yeah. And that was a good fit for me. I mean, it might not be for everybody, but for me, it was a great fit. Right. What kinds of activities were you involved in in high school? Uh, lots of volunteer activities. I wasn't a big sports person, but I did forensics, which was public speaking. It's right. kind of good. You know, <laughs> yeah. some foreshadowing into what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also 
lots of volunteer work. And even at Villanova, I did a lot of volunteer work. Yeah. I mean, we did, we would make sandwiches for the poor. We would go to the nursing home and sing at the holidays, you know, and it was fun with a bunch of girls again. You know, we just had a great time doing all those things. Yeah. Um, I know that you you have a long line of, of Villanovans in the family. Yes. And I can relate to that because <laughs> I did too. And I kind of had as a young girl, you know, the sense that that's where I was going to go. I didn't really look a lot of other places. I don't know whether that's good or bad, but did you base your decision on that as well? Um, I always wanted to go there. I mean, it was my funny. My older sister was the opposite of us. She wouldn't to go anywhere but because, you know, she was more the rebel. Yeah. Um, But I always wanted to go there. And I hope that my kids can have the opportunity to go there as well. Yeah. It's getting tougher and tougher. Yes. (laughs) I told them they need to be really smart or get really tall. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Be an athlete of some type. Play basketball. Right. Or be really smart to get in. So, yeah. So, um, you you know, you're you're a lifestyle expert. You're into all things creative, food and decorating. And has that always been your love when you were a young girl? Was were you always making crafts and and wanting to I know making things is a key phrase in your business? Um, you know, I learned it really from watching my mom. She was Martha before there was Martha. So oh, we had a beautiful home that always had, you know, all these vignettes on the tables. And, you know, she decorated for every holiday and we had Christmas trees in every room and she just loved it. And so I think that we all grew up loving that. I mean, even my brother now, he's got his train sets and Christmas is a big deal for us. And we really over, we're over decorators for sure. Yeah. And, um, we don't. We I say we're not addicted to decorating. We're addicted to redecorating because we'll decorate and then we're changing everything. Oh, right, you know, not right. too shortly after. Yeah. Um. And I think that that creativity really sparks from my mom and mm-hmm. the home that I grew up in. And so yes, I think my whole life I was exposed to that. And my first job was in a bakery, and I loved making things. And I didn't mind waking up at four o'clock in the morning to wow. get to work. <laughs> I really enjoyed it though. I liked the camaraderie, and I liked really seeing the results that you produced made people happy right away. I mean, people yeah. love to come in and get fresh muffins or, you know, and the bakery that I worked at, I was lucky enough that it was a fam- a Greek family and they made everything from scratch still. Mm, and Greek so bakeries. I learned a lot of skills there. And yeah. I think that when you learn to make things with your hands, you know, it's skills that stay with you your whole life and you can share them with others. And I think that's the most fun part of being a lifestyle expert is um, that you get to do it with everybody else, yeah. not just solo. Yeah. Well, it's ironic. You have two boys. Yes. <laughs> two 10-year-olds. I have, yes, they're going to turn 10 this month, twin and, boys. Okay. And yes. so how do you talk to them about your your work and and are they interested in wanting to you know dive in and, and make things? Right. Well, not necessarily. I would never say that I was so crafty. I know that you mentioned that as part of the making, but for me, it was always more the food part of things or the decorating. Um, it wasn't really. So I don't do a lot of crafts with them. We make a lot of Legos right now, but <laughs> so building. They, yes, yeah. they love building and they are definitely interested in cooking. They have Good. for Christmas. I bought them each their own chef knives. This is my mother said, you will be at the emergency room. You're crazy. Yeah. Why did you <laughs> sure, do that? That's a good idea, um, but. but I want them to learn. And I feel like, you know, in a controlled environment where I can teach them how to use the tools responsibly, it's the best place before they pick up one one day when I'm not in there. So, right. Well, I'm picturing uh, the two yeah. of them using them as swords yeah, rather no. than. <laughs> They're definitely not allowed to. They're learning how to respect the tools of the trade. And, right. I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's scary. You know, we're dealing with knives and fire and, <laughs> you know, heat. But they're learning to be responsible. And it's just like anything. You cut yourself the first time, you're going to be a little more careful the second time. Right. And I've That's got right. plenty of battle wounds, you know, from the kitchen to to show them burns and 
even the most professional chefs have a slip up once in a while. So it's, do you do you tend to work fast? You seem to have you yes. know you have high energy. I can sense that. Yeah. And um, well, I think that you have to. I have two kids. I have a busy job. I maintain a house and a marriage now for to my other Villanova alum for yeah. 15 years. So there's yeah. a lot on my plate. So I've got to work fast and keep moving and yeah. multitasking. Yeah, as long as you're enjoying yes. it. Yeah, that's great. All the parts are What fun. does your husband do? He's a chiropractor. Okay, good. So he was biology undergrad at Villanova and then went to Life University down in Atlanta, Georgia and got his chiropractic degree there. Okay. And came back here and opened a practice in Newtown, Pennsylvania. And did you guys meet at school? And we did. And stay together? We did. We met at school, and then we were apart for a little bit because we both went back to school, and I went to Hyde Park, and he went to Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia, and then we moved to Georgia and lived there for a while while he finished school, okay. and then came back to New York. Fun. So tell me about your first, your very first job then out of college. Where was that? Oh, my first job I like to forget because that was the one I left shortly after. <laughs> I had a job leaving Villanova. I had a job before I left school. It was in pharmaceuticals as a marketing in marketing, and it was the wrong fit for me. I would go into work at nine o'clock, and at nine fifteen, I was looking at the clock, thinking, "How am I going to get out of here?" It just this is not uh, the right place right. for me. <laughs> um, while I always thought, you know, oh, I'll wear a suit and it'll be fun, and I'll go to work. It was completely wrong fit. So I lasted there only three months and left oh, you did. and went back to that bakery that I worked at in high school, much to my parents' dismay because right. <laughs> I had gone to Villanova <laughs> and now I'm living back home and working where I worked in high school. And you weren't buying a bakery. Right. You no, were working right. at exactly. the bakery. I wasn't running it or anything. I was behind the counter and I applied to culinary school. And so then I went to the CIA, okay. the Culinary yeah. Institute of America up in Hyde Park, New I, York. I don't know that much about it. Talk about those years. What was that like? The Culinary Institute of America is an amazing experience. It's completely different than an undergrad traditional university that we're used to. It's called it's called a progressive learning year. So you only take one course at a time, and each course builds on the one prior. So you have to pass every course before you're allowed to move on. The way the system is set up made me, in particular, retain so much information so much longer. I mean, even to this day, I feel like the skills I learned there, I can remember like that because of how you have to learn them. And like I said, everything built on the one prior. So you learn everything from, you know, restaurant law to nutrition and sanitation laws. And then you have to go into knife skills and then you learn front of the house management. And then, you know, you're learning baking bread and you're then you're learning Asian cuisines. I mean, you have to learn everything. So the idea there, I know it's common for people to ask, what's your specialty when they know that you're a chef? And the idea behind the Culinary Institute of America is that everything needs to be your specialty. You need to be able to specialize in every single thing. Mm-hmm. And then if you choose to make something a specialty, but you have to have the groundwork and foundation in all of the culinary arenas. So it was a fantastic experience. And I did my externship at the Food Network, which is where my career started to shift a little bit. So uh, externship is an internship, but you do it off campus and you get credits for it. And I went to the internship and I mean, I went to the Food Network and did my internship there. Mm-hmm. And I worked there as a food stylist and was just kind of a prep cook behind the scenes and worked on lots of different programs. And I really loved the energy there and just getting exposed to so many different types of chefs. I mean, we would shoot Ming Tsai one day, then the next day we were shooting Emerald Live, then the next day we were shooting Sarah Moulton. So we were really working with so many different chefs as opposed to working in a kitchen on the line where you're basically just trying to survive service. You know, it's it's a tough job to be in a kitchen. Yeah. Where is the Food Network? Is that the New Food York? Network's in New York? It's, it's in, in Chelsea Market now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Chelsea. Yeah, Market. it's in the back end of Chelsea Market, and okay. that's where they they tape uh, a lot of the programming, and then some of the programming is out of done out of house. So now, how did you land that internship? I would imagine there's you know it's competitive. I actually 
called them and created the internship. There wasn't an internship currently at the Food Network. And so I did some outreach and said it was still a very young network at this time. So um, they were in the midst of moving and the school, they had had an internship program at the Food Network, but not affiliated with our school. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a matter of setting up some paperwork. And I went in for an interview and I got the job and I started right away. And I still work with them to this time. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, have you always been comfortable in the spotlight? I mean, you do TV. I do. And, and uh, is that something? That- I don't know if I'm ever comfortable in the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> I still get nervous every time we go, right before we go live, my breath starts to get a little faster and really? my heart starts to race a little bit more. Yeah. Um, for all these years, for as many times as I do television, I still feel like, okay, 22 million people could tune into this and don't don't mess up. That's don't the, mess up. <laughs> the, um, but it's a lot of fun. I guess I've never shied away from it. I mean, I grew up, my father was the youngest, most decorated Vietnam War veteran. So, you know, I grew up being in People magazine and having photographers around. And, oh, you know, okay. he was also worked in politics. So we were in the spotlight a lot. And it wasn't something unusual to me. Um, but it's never comfortable. I don't know if it is even to the best of them, you know, if they feel. I guess you just have that 100% something could go wrong, although right. you have the nice when you're when you're doing your your segments, you're you're involved and engaged in things yes. that could kind of distract you from just speaking right. into a camera, I guess. And I've been doing the Today show now for so long that I feel like they're my team when I go up there. I know everybody. I feel comfortable with everybody from the sound tech to, you know, the cameraman and the interns have now become producers, and so you see everyone and the hosts. I mean, they're so nice, and it's such a fun place to work that yeah. it does make it a lot more, a lot easier to yeah. be in front of the camera. So, how did you get that gig? That's a good one. So, uh, okay, just for the listeners, you for know, the you listeners. do an ongoing NBC Today show. I do. Um, so, I my first time I was on the Today Show, I was working for Bon Appetit magazine as a contributing editor, mm-hmm. and backing it up a little bit to working at the Food Network, I had a really good exposure to what happens behind the scenes. So I have a very good understanding of what production means. And I think that that was really key in me flipping to then in front of the camera. When I moved to Atlanta, I was teaching, um, that's, you know, on the side, I was teaching culinary classes and some of my, um, students were producers at CNN. I didn't know this and they had invited me to come on air there. And so I actually started in television with CNN and I would do consumer friendly wine segments every month for, I did that for two years and I would just write them and pitch them and the produce work with the producers to produce the segments and my husband would schlep in all the wine and the you know the glassware and he was <laughs> my prop up. stylist and yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was my PA so right. um and that's how it started so I I started in Atlanta on television when I moved back to New York I went to work for Bon Appetit they knew I worked for CNN they reached out to me and hired me to specifically work as a contributing editor to take editorial content and turn that into television content and so that's what I did for the magazine for a couple of years and then I would work directly with the public relations department of Bon Appetit, taking our editorial content, writing it into television pitches, and then I went on air for them. And that was the first time was with Bon Appetit. Okay. And I worked with Bon Appetit for a couple of years, and then I went on to write my own book and had my kids and moved out of the city and still do the Today Show. I just have created good relationships there, and they trust me, and they know that I'll deliver good content, and mm-hmm. you know I'm there if they call, so, you know. That's just keeps going. Yeah. So it's not an ongoing schedule that you no. with them. It's there's that, no schedule in TV yeah, <laughs> and media. It's really crazy. Yeah. I mean, they can call me the day before and we wow. whip together something that we need. You to, jump on the train and I Bucks jump County. on the train in Bucks County and I head up and I stay overnight and we usually do a walkthrough or a rehearsal and just for lighting and placement of product. And then um, 
I go on live the next morning. Sometimes segments are in the works for six to eight weeks. I mean, it's just, it just depends. Yeah. And then some of those segments that are in the works for six to eight weeks can get canceled the day of for breaking news or, I mean, because it is a news network. And even though I do lifestyle, my segments aren't necessarily newsworthy. They're mm-hmm. usually um, time sensitive to holidays or, you know, whether it's you know, upcoming spring, it could just, you know time of the year they're usually more important but I think that the reason I've been able to maintain that relationship is because I've created personal relationships with the people there and they've become friends of mine and Mm -hmm. you know we've grown up together in the business and a lot of them started like I said as pages or interns and you always you know I'm always nice to everybody I don't really care if you're a celebrity or not a celebrity yeah you know if we work together well we work together well and I've created relationships that hopefully I'll have for a lifetime, no matter if they're at the Today Show or yeah. if they decide to quit and you well, know, go do something else. Yeah. I, one of my questions was about, you know, the whole land of TV for, for you know, many of the listeners and myself. We're not um, we have no experience in that. And I wanted to know if you could just talk for a little bit about the business of TV and what what, you know, how it all works. You just right. described a little <laughs> bit of it. But, you right. know, well, there's so many different elements to television. I mean, there is long format programming, like what we do on the Food Network, which would be a half an hour show or an hour program. There's commercial work that you can do, which is obviously, you know what commercials are. Um, There's live television, like we do with the Today Show. There's also live, look live television, which are taped talk shows. I mean, like The View and other programs like that. Each one of these areas has a completely different skill set. I mean, while a lot of the elements are the same, there's different things you need to know for live television than there are things you need to know for long format programming or commercial work. Um, You know, you can shoot one commercial sometimes for three or four days. Right. You can shoot one Today Show segment. It can take you six to eight weeks to prep for it, and it's done in three minutes time. You know, they're just different you have to, to be it. flexible. You have to be very flexible. You have to be very flexible. You have to be very creative. You have to be very driven because just like any enterta- part of the entertainment industry, it can beat you up and wear you down. Right. And you can work really hard. And like I said, something can get canceled right on the spot. I mean, you can already be there and it just go away like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think you have to be, you have to love it to want to be in it constantly yeah. and keep going back at it. I mean, I pitched 20 things. If one sticks, it's a good week. You yeah. know? So, so you have to, you're tough skinned, I guess. I mean, really, because tele- no one's saying, good job. You right. know, they're, t- <laughs> well, <laughs> they're telling you honestly yeah. something's working right. or it's not. Right. But I have to say, when it's a good job, they, they are so kind. I mean, and I think a lot of the industry and probably the same even in radio, you know, when you're telling someone they're doing a good job, they're more likely to deliver a good job. So, yeah. right. <laughs> and <laughs> positive since, feedback and is good. Since we are on display in television, I feel like you do get a lot of good feedback because good. they want you smiling. They want you happy. And so I think that, you know, if you're at the gym with mute on and you're watching the TV, as long as those people are smiling and look like they're having a great time, (laughs) you know, that's half the battle in television. Which they are on the Today Show, you know, Hoda and Kathy Lee are having their wine in the morning. and And they are so much fun. And people ask me all the time, is it hard to work with them? And it's like you said, you just have to kind of roll with it and have tough skin. And you can't be attached to, oh, I had to say this or I really wanted to teach the audience this. 
you just yeah. have to go out there and hope that it all goes, <laughs> goes well. I well. know that you're going to have an opportunity to change it up, you know, the next right. time. Where do, you know, the, the whole industry of lifestyle and food and wine and all of it has really exploded, you know, over the past couple of years. Or I don't know if it's yeah. 10 Dramatically. years. Dramatically. Dramatically. So where does your inspiration come from? Because you have to really right. be, you know, coming up, you know, have to be innovative and, and creative all the time. It's true. And sometimes it's really difficult because just like any job, you know, there are the parts of it that aren't inspirational or creative that you have to do. You know, I essentially work for myself. So all of the billing and invoicing comes from me as well. I don't mm-hmm. have an accountant. I also, you know, basically I'm my own publicist. So I have to come up with the things that the ideas on my own. And so a lot of times I can get to points where I don't feel inspired. And for me, I know that means I need a change of scenery. So whether that is getting on the train to go back into New York to an event or coming into Philadelphia to do an event, to get out of my space, to get out of my headspace and expose myself to other people and other ideas. And then I usually can have some spark of inspiration. A lot of it comes from just my home life. I mean, I have two little kids. It's kind of a crazy world. I always say to my husband, like, we are on the grid, even though we pretend like we're off the grid. We have chickens. I raise bees. We have gardens, you know, but we live. And then I'm in New York City at a dinner party. And then I'm, you know, running down here to do a radio show. So we have the best of both worlds, I think. And I think that right now women have the option to really have the best of all worlds. You know, Mm -hmm. you can you can have it all, even though my mom says, who would want it? (laughs) But <laughs> because it's so much work, it is yeah, yeah. a lot of work, a lot of balancing. It's a lot of stress, but it can also be extremely rewarding. And yeah. we can have full lives. And, and I don't think being busy is a bad thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to talk to you about that because uh, you wrote an article, didn't you, about being busy? And I think I read that article and I thought she's so right that it, it's almost like a badge of honor. I feel women in particular are all running around saying, I'm so busy. Oh. I'm so busy. But it is a choice to be busy yes. or not to be busy. And and everything that we do is a choice. Um, talk about that for a few minutes right. about, you know, this this kind of crazy, hectic life that women, um, not, not all of them. I mean, right. I think a lot of us are kind of uh, making choices that bring more balance. But um, this, this whole aspect of being so busy and kind right. of thinking it's a great thing to let people right. know. Right. And I find it draining when I see people, I'm so busy, or I'm so busy, you know, I can't do this, I'm, I'm too busy. And I like to be busy. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, I also like to put my feet up and relax sometimes. But I, like I said, I think that's a full life then. And I think they are choices we make. So when someone's so busy and they're so overwhelmed, and those are a lot of choices they make. Yes, sometimes we don't have, we don't all have the same choices and it's not so cut and dry. But for those of us who are living in a nice home and have our health and driving a car that works, you know, driving our kids around and these are not bad things. You know, this is just a busy life. life. It's just life. And I think that, like I said, at the very end of the article, you can blink your eyes and that busyness can be all gone. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we need to really embrace it and enjoy it. Even if you're so busy, you should be so happy. You should be thrilled that you get to drive your kids around. You know, lots of parents don't get to do that. They've got to be at two jobs or three jobs and they're not getting to drive around their kids. And you just have to look at the bright side. I mean, I can say that now because today I had fairly easy commute in. Nothing really wrong happened getting the kids off to school. No one was sick. Yeah, no one's (laughs) sick. Thank goodness. Um, You know, some days are, are, it's harder to see that silver lining, but I feel like this epidemic of, you know, we're all so busy. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that it's a good thing. And I think that those are choices you make. Like you said, if you're too busy for what you can handle, you need to 
Take something off your plate. Take something off your plate. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Being busy is, you know, you're living life. You're out there being active and doing things. Right. And it should be. What would you rather be doing? Watching TV? Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to get back. You mentioned the bees. So I want to know how you got into the beekeeping and please enlighten and educate us about. What's going on with the bees? Okay. You know, well, so um, everyone's heard, you know, there's a lot of colony collapses and we're having trouble with bees. I mean, really. And they're such an important part of the ecosystem. Just this simple task. We didn't of, know that. Right. <laughs> well, we're learning that we've made a, quite a few mistakes in the food chain, you know, and I think that now little by little people are paying more and more attention to it. I mean, just even that the words organic or local are just so common now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's great. It's great. That's the way it should have always been. But somehow, somewhere along the line, it became big business food. And it really, well, that's important in some parts of the world. It really needs to be local and organic. And I mean, these are what I believe. I mean, I want my kids to know where the food comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, not that it just comes from the internet. Because I, yeah. we did order groceries offline. I said to the kids, isn't this great? One day we were at the farm and we were picking our vegetables. You know where your vegetables come from? And, and my one son said, yeah, and the internet. I'm like, food doesn't come from the internet. That was just... <laughs> out of a machine. Right, out of you a push machine, your right. Yeah, I just ordered them one time. And so um, so the bees, my brother is a beekeeper in Oxford, Pennsylvania. And so he is part of the Chester County Beekeeping Society. And he gave my children for their birthday their own hives, which essentially meant I then became a beekeeper because they were too... So they have hives and they have yeah. knives. Yeah, they have hives and knives. <laughs> it doesn't sound yeah. good for boys. <laughs> they, uh, they definitely veered away from the bees. They were really interested at first, but it's it can be alarming when you have bees all over you. I yeah. do it so often that it doesn't even bother me now. It just seems... Wow. I so find it actually very the relaxing. Mask? The whole suit and mask. I don't usually wear the whole suit and mask anymore because I just am at a different comfort level. Mm-hmm. I always wear a net over my face because I don't want to get stung and then have to go to work with some big bee sting on my face. Right. Um, and I wear gloves always, too. But they typically don't sting you unless they're protecting their queen. And that's what you have to know about worker bees is that they're really just working for the hive. And the only time that they would swarm is if their queen was in danger or they felt that their queen was in danger. Otherwise, they really just leave the hive and come back and... They work so hard all summer long. And last year I had two They work col- so hard, these yeah, little bees. they do. And it's amazing. I mean, they. at one point I had lost a queen, and I didn't get another queen, but they appointed another queen. I don't know where she came from. This happened once in the hive. Um, this sounds like a Disney movie. It, I know. I think they made one, right? The bee, bee story or bee something. Um, there was a movie. Uh, Pixar did one on bees, I think. Um, but I find it really relaxing and fun. Again, it's just part of that when you talk about, make, you know, the maker lifestyle and learning how to make things. And I always want to learn something new. And so yeah. I really enjoy the bees. And the honey we have harvested has been phenomenal. It's so black. It's either buckwheat or bamboo. And it's delicious. And so there's all these health benefits to having, you know, your own local honey. And for kids with allergies and seasonal allergies, my husband and myself find that we have a lot more relief when we start our honey regimen earlier in the season. And what is the regimen? Tell me. Like, so what just do you do just exactly? having your own honey. I mean, so they're sourcing from local pollen, and it's just kind of the same thing. I don't know if you heard recently about the peanut butter. They were saying if you expose kids a little mm-hmm. bit earlier on, they can grow out of these allergies. It's the same idea. Is grow that. out of them or not develop them to begin with? I think that. Well, what I had heard was that they cannot develop them to begin with, but also that 
if they have it, they can have it for a shorter period of time or it might not be as severe um, by exposing them. And with the honey, now I'm not a doctor, so please, Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) take all of this with a grain of salt. This is (laughs) um, what I'm, my experience. And with the honey, what we do is just honey, hot honey water with lemon. And so I'll start having that now instead of trying to catch up and beat my seasonal allergies, you know, in two months from now when okay. my sinuses are out of control. So you're saying that hun- you know, local na- honey local honey will and actually treat or help allergies? Definitely. I, I did not know that. Definitely does. Okay. Yeah. It's And I'd rather have honey than be taking some other drug every day that makes yes. me kind of foggy Zyrtec and feel weird. and all those no, other right. And there's benefits both ways if you find one that works for you, but I've always struggled with them. And so I try to find the natural path that works for me. And it's usually a mix, you know, in our household, we do a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Do you live on a farm? Do you have a farm or you just... No, we live just in a, we live in a neighborhood, you know, with With neighbors. Yeah. (laughs) We're pollinating the neighborhood and we have our own chickens. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. The chickens are a new addition, so we're still learning. Yeah. That. yeah. It's just great, great examples for kids. Yeah. I mean, and, and especially I love the fact that your your life is um, busy in a good way. You yes. know, New York and yes. you're traveling and all of this. And then you have this respite, you know, this yes. place to go back to that really is, you know, takes right. you away from the madness. That's always a good thing. I think it, it's good to be grounded, you mm-hmm. know, like I remember the first time I did the Today Show and I came home and I thought, well, now what? You know, like, <laughs> like I did it and now what do I do? Right. And now it's funny. I'll go up there and I'm in hair and makeup and then I come home and I'm, you know, cleaning up after chickens. Yeah. Or folding the laundry. Right. Or, but that's my real life, you know. Yeah. So tell me, what are your, your, you know, goals for future? I mean, I hate that question. Where are you going to be in five right. years? But, you know, what is your, do you ever contemplate having your own show? I would love that. I think that I've thought that for many years that would be a good experience. And people tell me all the time, oh, you should have your own show. Or, you know, I love doing live TV. So I think that I find a lot of pleasure in that. I think that my kids, like I said, are turning 10. So it might be a good time now to start looking into it. Prior yeah. to this, they were just too little and I wanted to be yeah. home more. Right. Um, as they're getting older and getting more into their own things, I feel like that's something I could look into for the next, you know, the near future. Yeah. I do think 10 is kind of a, a turning point it for is. them being, you know, starting to be self-sufficient right. and, you know, you're really teaching them uh, about being independent and not needing right. mom so much. And I also think it's really good for them to have a strong female role model. I want them yes. to see me yes. doing something that I enjoy and also working hard. Yeah. And I think that that is something that they appreciate. I mean, they think it's really cool, you know, yeah. to see me do things. And I take them with me as often as I can, and I want them to really have that as well. Yeah, I want to talk more about that when we come back. We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Maureen Petrosky, lifestyle expert, author, and TV host. Are you looking for something special to wear to an event, on a date, or out with the girls? Nevada is a Philadelphia-based luxury label designed for the effortlessly chic global nomad. Our ready-to-wear and custom pieces, which include bridal wear by the way, are inspired by artistry and travel. The line is intriguing and exotic. After all, fashion should create a sense of escape. So go ahead, escape with Nevada and make a timeless impression. Please visit us online at nevadacouture.com. 
Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business is more than a place to earn a degree. It's the epicenter of critical new ideas, an entrepreneurial spirit, and a powerful network of over 2,500 corporate partners. From March 2nd through the 6th, get an inside look at what it's like to be part of the LeBeau online community with a free digital test drive. Participants will be able to experience online learning, explore student support services, and interact with Drexel faculty, staff, students, and alumni. Drexel's bachelor's and master's business programs rank among the best in the nation, with the online MBA recently being named as the number one program in the world for career services after graduation by Financial Times. Join the LeBeau test drive and experience studying as an online business student. Visit drexel.com slash LeBeau online. That's drexel.com slash L-E-B-O-W online to sign up today. Drexel.com slash L-E-B-O-W online. Reimagine the future of business with Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business. Welcome back, everyone, to this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. We are having a great time here today in the studio with Maureen Petrosky. And Maureen is a lifestyle expert, author, and TV host, um, often appearing on NBC's Today Show, giving all her great tips and and fun things about um, food and wine and, and decorating and all of that good stuff. Just before the break, we were talking about your boys and, you know, the example that you are for them um, being a working mom. And it's a topic we talk about in here all the time. Um, and I think it's so important to bring the, you know, the boys and the men into the conversation of women and leadership. We can't just always be a room full of women, you know, cheering each right. other on. What are some of the things that you hope that your boys will, will learn from, from watching you? Um, I think that at this point they don't have to learn it. It's always been this way since they were babies. I mean, they were five months old when I went on my first book tour. I've always worked, even if it wasn't full time, I've always been working on something uh, that they can see. And so they know that that is something normal, that a woman can have a career that she likes. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they would expect that, you know, as they get older, that the women that they interact with, the ones that will inspire them and that they will be drawn to will be women who are independent Mm -hmm. and who also pursue things that are important to them. I don't think it's ever been uneven in my household. I mean, we share responsibilities. My husband will just as quickly do the laundry or make dinner as I would take out the trash or, you know, lock up the house at night. We don't have traditional roles anymore. We sh- we literally both go to work and we both take care of the house and we both take care of the kids. And there, of course, are things that fall to the mom that, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. think are because of the male choices. I mean, you know, when they're off school, unexpectedly, it usually falls to me to figure out how I'm going to make my schedule work around them. Dad Mm -hmm. will just go to work. But that's also because of the job that I have as a little more flexible. I can push a deadline to write at night once he gets home. He can't necessarily push patients, you know, to not see them. So I think that that they also see how their dad and I interact with each other and that my husband, I could have the kookiest idea or say, can I... I mean, I was seven months pregnant. I remember it was the Torino Olympics and the Today Show wanted me to go to the Olympics. And I said to my husband, do you think that I could go to Torino? And he said, I think you can do anything, Maureen. Like he's just, and I was pregnant and I thought that was a great answer, but that was not right. I should not go to Torino. (laughs) So, I mean, No, but what a supportive answer. Yes, he's always been extremely supportive. And, you know, in my line of work, it isn't a regular paycheck there. Mm -hmm. I have to create the work and I have to create 
you know, the income that I make. And so he's really understanding of that too. Even mm-hmm. though I say we, we have um, mutual respect for each other, which is true. You know, he's very understanding when, you know, some years will be great years for a lifestyle expert and some years might not be. Right. So it kind of just goes with the territory when you get involved with someone that freelances or works in a creative industry that you have to understand that it's not always going to be the same paycheck all the time. Right. Well, there's so so there's so many moving parts to what you do. And, yes. I, and I wonder if you enjoy the writing more than the cooking, more right. than the, you know, the appearances or... I feel like I'm probably undiagnosed ADHD. I mean, that's much more normal now for kids to know that. But I like to do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I get bored easily when I'm doing too much of one thing. So all of those moving parts suit me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's slightly schizophrenic, but it works for me. You know, it's chaotic, but I can find peace in that chaos and um, enjoyment in that. Uh, what do I like more I probably like them equally. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I still love food styling when I'm in a studio, you know, working with a photographer under the lights, but I can only do it for a day or two. And then my, then I'm, it's, te- then it becomes tedious to me, but I love it. If I pick it up again a couple of months later, I love mm-hmm. the creativity and the challenge of it. Yeah. So I think that as long as there's a challenge, I'm never, I'm never bored. Um, some people might not constantly want a challenge. They want it to just yeah. settle in. <laughs> well, I think it's the monotony. Yeah. I think some people are comfortable doing kind of the same, same thing. T- you and know, routine works for them. Yes. And my routine, you know, I could jump on a plane and go to Isla and eat oysters. Or I could go down to the American Whiskey Trail and drink whiskey. <laughs> or, you know, and that requires turning my entire life upside down to make sure that those experiences happen. Yeah. And then I can take that, though, and make work from it. And so... Yeah. I it's know that. I can life. see that. Yeah. <laughs> I have no complaints. Yeah. I love that you drink whiskey. Yes. Because to me, it's such a man's drink. Yes. What, well, see, I got to shake you out of that. I need you to Susan. do yeah, that. What first right. whiskey, if I'm going to have whiskey for the first time, which I would. You should have bourbon. because okay. So an American whiskey. Bourbon's a little sweeter because it's more corn than okay. other grains. So And straight up on the rocks. You should probably do, you know, like a Jack and Ginger. That's a good drink to start with. So I've ginger ale. But yeah. if you don't like it too sweet, like I don't like drinks too I don't sweet. Either. So I'll have that bourbon with a splash of ginger and a splash of club soda. Mm-hmm. So instead of all the ginger ale, which is too sweet for me, mm-hmm. have a splash of club soda. Mm-hmm. That's a nice light drink. Yeah. Yeah. You should try it. I will. I it's will. one of those Not things. Not this morning. Right. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that I think that most women tend to veer towards the clear spirits. They would have a vodka soda before they would order a a whiskey drink, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely changing. I mean, the younger generations, there are whiskey leagues in New York City, and they're all in their 20s, and they're completely vibrant, amazing women, and they all drink whiskey. Wow. So, And all my friends and colleagues obviously do because we travel around and drink whiskey. Yeah. (laughs) And cognac and whatever, Armagnac, whatever we... It's very sophisticated. Whatever is at work that we drink. Very cool and hip. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your books. And, okay. um, you know, for, I think it takes some guts to, to say I'm going to write a book, um, especially with, you know, again, the ability to write books today is, you know, it's hard. It's very yeah. competitive and try to get your book out there and right. um, into the hands of people. And the first one you wrote was this, the wine club, the wine club. And what ins- what what ins- precipitated you to do that? At the time I was living in Atlanta, I was doing those wine segments for CNN. I had gone back to school and got my sommelier certification through the Court of Master Sommeliers. I'm not a master sommelier. I'm a certified sommelier. Um, 
you would only go on to do a master sommelier certification if you were going to work as a sommelier in a restaurant in service. I knew I wanted the element of the experience and expertise to fall in line with all of the other lifestyle things that I was doing. And so um, I had had that background and I was really studying wine. And I had friends that worked in all different industries and we were had a book club and there were members who would come that really wanted to talk about the book and there were members who were come that really just wanted to have a drink. And so it kind of was falling apart and I didn't want to lose this group of friends. And so I said, why don't we make it a wine club? And if you guys each bring a bottle of wine and I'll teach you about it, it'll help me learn too. And so I was kind of studying at the time and our book club turned into a wine club and it was so much fun and we had a great time. And then I just thought it was a great way to get all my beer drinking friends to drink wine. And so I love the idea of having a monthly meeting where mm-hmm. you can get together with friends and learn about something that could be really daunting, but in a really comfortable environment. Mm-hmm. So most of people aren't going to go pick up a textbook and study it the way that I did. And I wouldn't recommend that either. I find that my wine experiences, like most experiences, are when they're personal they stick with you longer and you learn better that way. Yeah. And so I felt like bringing it into the comfort of your living room and taking all the fear factor out of it really worked for me. And I used my culinary background and put recipes in every chapter so that each month there's appetizers and then there's wines that you go through. And the wine club book now is 10 years old. It has sold over 75,000 copies, which is a great sales. Yeah. Um, Terrific. And then I decided when the kids went to first grade, I wanted to write another book. So I just kind of had been writing about wine for seven years or eight years and was kind of getting tired of it. So (laughs) in my normal vein, I decided I was going to write about cocktails. And I remember when I reached out to someone that runs a lot of press trips, I said, I want to write about cocktails. And she said, well, are you a mixologist? And I said, no. And she said, are you a, um, she said to me, are you a spirits expert? I said, no. And she said, well, how are you going to write a cocktail book? And I said, well, because I just decided I was going to write a cocktail book. So (laughs) I need your help. I'm going to learn about (laughs) it. I need you to teach me so that I can teach everybody else in more layman's terms. Because the people that I work with in the industry are obviously in the industry. So they're experts. And that doesn't necessarily translate to the rest of the world. You know, (laughs) and I, on all honesty, I had never drank brown spirits before I went down this cocktail road. I had only drank vodka. I never drank whiskey. I had never drank scotch or cognac or anything like that just like most women I know they just typically wouldn't but when I immersed myself in it and wanted to study about it now I love it I mean that's usually my drink of choice I would choose whiskey over it's so interesting when you know when you know more about something and where it came from and all of that it it tastes different it does (laughs) it's more enjoyable right it's like that wine in Italy always tastes better in Italy and you get home and you're like well it just doesn't taste quite the same (laughs) I wanted to you've done quite a bit of traveling have you and have you been to Italy I have you have several times or a couple of times yeah what do you we just took our first trip there so you know I could talk to you about that all all day the cheese the wine the Love the it. prosciutto, the olive, all of it. It's just heaven. And what was it like your first trip there, being in the field you're in? You must right. have just wanted to immerse yourself in all well, of it. The first time I went was with my husband. This was long before we had kids. We went for a weekend. This was something we used to do when we lived in New York. It was easy to travel. You could just jump. There's so many airports and go for a long weekend when there was a good price deal. And we just had a fantastic time just eating our way through Rome. And we just thought yeah. it was amazing. And we actually loved it so much we wanted to live there. And my husband was in chiropractic school at the time. And chiropractic is primary care in Italy. And so he applied for a job and got a job. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. And we got an apartment in Rome. And we were all packed and ready to go. And he came with me to Napa for a job that I was doing for CNN. 
And when we returned home, everything we owned was in storage or on a shipping crate. And this, we had rental furniture and everything. We got a letter that said his work visa had been revoked. The Italian government was no longer supporting the United States government. And we were so naive and young. We had no idea why they would do that. And then what year was that? This was right after, this was 2001. Okay. So right around 9-11. And we just didn't understand why someone wouldn't like the United States. We were just totally baffled by this. Right. Still, I'm a little baffled, but yeah. um, the Italian company said he could still come there and work, but and it would pay him under the table, but you can lose your passport if you get caught working in another country, and you can lose it for up to 10 years, and oh. neither one of us were willing to risk that, so right. we moved to New York City, which was just like living in another country. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere you turn, there's yeah. somebody from a different culture. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the, I really, the, you know, do you have do you ever think about going to um, a cooking school over in Italy? I mean, no, I haven't really thought about that. No, no, you're beyond I mean, that. I would. Yeah, I would. I'm sure it would be a fantastic experience. Yeah. I'm not beyond anything, Susan. I'm no, always open to learning. You could something do, as your now. husband says, yeah. you just go do just it. Just go do it. Yeah. Just do he it. I can do anything. That's it. That's a great. You know, that's a great answer. Um, do you? Ha- are you? thinking about another book right now. So you've written two. Do you I've have another two. one in your I have lots of book ideas. Um, like you said, the book industry is really difficult right now to, I mean, I don't necessarily feel like I have to break into it because I have a publisher, but it's a lot of work and it's not a lot of pay. And so mm-hmm. you have to really be able to, I don't want to do a vanity project right now. I don't, I don't need to put a book out to say, oh, I have a book. I have a book. I would like to do something that I feel like I could get paid for at this point. Yes. You know, from start to finish with the book, it can be two years just from the concept to the print, and then you have to promote the book, and so that's like another year of work. And yeah. so and travel. I have and... to be responsible. Those two little people we mentioned right. previously, <laughs> and that Villanova tuition yes, that's exactly. looming out there. <laughs> oh, they're going yes. there. I guess. <laughs> well, wherever they may end up, I hopefully am able to help them and get through that financially. And so I just feel like at this time right now, it's not the best time to write another book. While I would love to, yeah. I really find a lot of pleasure in it, and yeah. I, the creative process. And seeing it, you know, for the first time yeah. in print is always so exciting. Yeah. But I think that right now, maybe in a year or two, right now I need to work on some other things. You know, I want to look into some more public speaking and mm-hmm. taking that, the experience I've learned in television and, you know, like you're curious about it. A lot of people are curious about it. I feel like if I could just hone in on that messaging and the advice that I could really give to people and be helpful that would be something that I would like to do. Yeah. I mean, it always goes back to teaching with me. Like I always want to share the information and teach. And so in the same way that I want to teach you about cocktails in your yeah. house yeah. <laughs> is the same way that I feel like I could help other people, women and men, you know, in their careers where they just want to know how do you get started in something Well, that's like that. what I want to talk about now because I, I, I love your just do it attitude. It's yeah. such a great attitude. And, and that, that you have to be able to let go of fear of making mistakes and failure. That's right. huge, right? And, you know, when I think about women that, um, you know, they're kind of stuck and they're they're not happy. And it's so okay to, to try different um, roles and, and jobs. And, and you're li- I love, someone said to me recently, you're not making mistakes, you're eliminating what's not working, right? right? And you have to do that. So some advice from you on, on how you come to that place of right. saying, I'm just going to try this. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. Yeah. Well, first, I want to say that there are definitely times when it's hard for me, too. I mean, it doesn't it's part of me to just go for it. But it's also there are plenty of times when you when I stop and think, 
I don't want to put myself out there because I don't want the rejection or Mm -hmm. I don't want someone to say no or I don't want to mess up a good thing that's already just okay instead of going for that next level because there is just that natural fear there. Um, I go back to my parents again here because my mother always said, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Right? It's the simplest thing. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you do ask, you've got a 50-50 shot. That's that's a decent odds to get a yes. (laughs) Um, You know, and yesterday I was just reading that the statistic was 80% of people are unsatisfied in their jobs. Wow. 80? 80% of people. And we spend up to 90,000 hours at work in our lifetime on average. So, like, think about that, right? How disappointing that Mm. that many people could spend that much of their life in something that's not fulfilling to Mm -hmm. them. And when you look at it like that, you think that's pretty remarkable. Like, you only have one shot here. So... What's, if you don't already don't like what you're doing, yeah. you don't have a lot to lose, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So just well, you know, the just do it, just try it. Yeah. Well, I think you were luck, not lucky, but you you know, at a young age, you kind of you knew what you enjoyed, you knew what you were good at, and you've stayed with that. You know, that's kind of unusual. I have a lot of women who um, come in here and they're where they they're happy being, but they took right. a lot of twists and turns in their career. So trying to determine and you have to analyze yourself and figure out what is it I'm really, what what are my gifts? What am I right. really good at? And can I earn money doing it? Right. So that's not always clear. I feel like if you love it, the money will come. You just have to be willing and okay with knowing that the money is not going to be there right away. It takes a long time to build a career. Mm-hmm. I mean, or you know, business. here yeah. I am in a position where I feel stable in my career, but I haven't always been there. And I feel like, you know, a lot of my friends or even my brother, he, you know, sailed around the world for four years and they come back and it's hard to get started, but I started right away. I mean, I didn't skip a beat out of Villanova. I was home for six months. I went right back to school. I went right to work, but I always worked. I even, I waited tables in Philadelphia at the Philadelphia Country Club and the Marion Cricket Club. I liked it. I liked working. I liked having my own money and I liked having you know, being out with the, being pe- out amongst there the people and it's social and fun. Yeah. And I liked all of that. Yeah. So I'm, I definitely, that's a natural instinct to, for me, that something that I like, I enjoy working mm-hmm. and that might not be for everybody. Um, but I think if you like what you're doing, again, it goes back to, I had a great time waiting tables. It was social. It was fun. I was yeah. young. You got tips. <laughs> right. I got, I got money. <laughs> so if you think about yeah. like, if you love doing something, then you're, gonna like the job then right yeah right but it takes a little bit of time I mean, even my husband he had a successful practice in new york city when we moved here the commute was very difficult on the entire family mostly he wasn't seeing the kids at all and so he decided to open a practice here and that's hard to do we he knew nobody here i mean we moved to bucks county i grew up here but you know things a lot of things have changed in the time that we were gone and he started a business and it was slow the first couple of years and we knew that going in that yeah. this was going to be a change financially for us and we had to be okay with that Mm -hmm. and that was for a short period of time and now he's his own boss and you know that wasn't necessarily his nature either he's a good person with you know structure and going to work for someone else and letting them have the responsibility yeah but he's happy now that he did it you know it's changed and still not necessarily his nature to be the boss of everything Mm -hmm. but he knows that it's a benefit to his flexibility and his income that he can do that but it was a scary couple of years there for us so yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, you have to be, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. And you have to be prepared for that. But that's only a couple of years. Is it right. easy to stay somewhere that you don't love for your entire life? Mm. That doesn't sound easy either. No, no. So it's the lesser of two evils, and it could result in really true happiness. Yeah. 
How, how important do you think um, mentors are in, in someone's career? I know you, par- your parents were a great right. influence on you <laughs> yes. and really are the foundation for your values and yes. your belief in yourself. Um, it, mentors, I think, are important. People that are out there kind of doing what you're doing. Is there somebody in your life that, that believed in you and it made a difference? I, I mean, again, it goes to my husband. I mean, these are the more personal relationships as opposed to professional relationships. I think that in the very beginning, those producers at CNN that believed in me and believed that I could do that and would give me the freedom to create and develop segments. I mean, I had no training in television. I had no training in journalism. And that's primarily what I do now is, you know, different elements of journalism. And they believed in me and gave me the opportunities there. And then I would say the same thing at the Today Show. I mean, there's a producer there. His name's Adam Miller. And he believes in my work and believes that I do a great job. And he constantly will push me to do better work. And I like that because mm-hmm. when we do work together, we make great segments. We make great TV as opposed to, you know, I work with millions of producers, but to have someone like that in your life that believes in you and believes that you're going to do well and gives you advice, you know, both ways when you're doing something wrong and when you're doing something right. Yeah. So I think definitely they've been great mentors. Yeah, that's it. And he's younger than me, so that's I just gave him a big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's funny, but he had a he had the background, he had the you know the knowledge of television. Well, and he's a man. I think that yeah. makes a difference too. Sometimes women, I think, yeah. aren't um, as apt to be honest. You know, we want right. to again right. say, be friendly, doing a great job, yeah, right. and, <laughs> and you're it's not true. getting yeah. really good advice yeah. that you need. What would you say is that you know one of the things um, in any in any job is you, you have to set yourself apart and be different. So in the field of lifestyle and all of this, what would you say sets you apart? Why are you different from other um, women or men um, in the arena? What is kind of your, well, I would not your that, tagline, but right. you know. I think that some, there's lots of people that do the same job that I do. Mm-hmm. And the, the title lifestyle expert, it's fairly new. I mean, this is something that's just in the recent years because and this came from the Today Show also, was because I was doing cooking and I was doing parenting things and I was doing. So it was kind of a, I needed a bigger title than just chef or, right. you know, cocktail writer because I was doing more than that. So I appreciate that that title now exists. And there are plenty of other lifestyle experts out there. I feel like at this point, the thing for me is that it's the authenticity. I mean, I really am a mom who is a working mom who balances all of these things. You know, I didn't have a big modeling career before me that I were a very wealthy family that then gave me a big farm up in upstate New York. You know who I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I love her and I, I think she's amazing, but I didn't have all of those things. So the things that I do are really truly experiences that I can share with people. And I think that the audience really responds to that. And they know that that's the truth of the matter is that I am just like them just chose a different job and one that I like and yeah. one that they might like also. So it's, it's relatable. Yeah. I, I, and you're right. That is the audience, you know, the majority, whatever the percentage right. is, are people just like us. Right. Um, it's not kind of like this celebrity type right. audience that's out there. Um, right. Not that that wouldn't be fun for us to be celebrities right. that for would a little be fun. bit. <laughs> it would be fun. But for the time being where I'm at and the difference between me and maybe other people that say they're lifestyle experts is that, like I said, I am raising two young kids. I have, I am a marriage expert. I've been married for 15 years. I don't know what <laughs> makes you a marriage expert more than that. I feel like, you know, 
10 years of being a parent, 15 years of being in a, a marriage and a working mom. Yeah. I have the real life experiences that I think most women do, but I just like to share mine. Yeah. Tell me what you're, you know, on a day to day, what, what's difficult for you? You know, we all have things in our, in our day to day that is, is a challenge. We're not, we're not all good at everything. What's one of the things that you kind of struggle, struggle with? with? Yeah. I feel like the distractions, I primarily work from home. So my house has to be square before I can sit down and write and, or create. And the, so that's a difficult thing because a lot of people, when you work from home, don't think you're working. They just think you're like hanging out there or something. Right. Like, yeah. So, you know, phone calls on the home line, like I'm, I answer because I want to make sure, you know, it's not the kid's school. Or if my mom's calling, I want to know that it's everything's OK. Or, you know, so there is that hard part for me to really separate my work from my my life, even though it's not separate, it's part of it. I feel like sometimes I need to create more boundaries and mm -hmm. that's something I struggle with. Um, constantly in my job and in my line of work, I struggle with negotiating and asking for the money that you deserve. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people that work for themselves have a hard time with that because there is no like rule book. You know, this is right. Here's the job. This is what you should get paid for it. We don't have that same you know, outline that a lot of other careers do. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's difficult always is navigating the financial ins and outs of, you know, being your own boss. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess, you know, those are the biggest hurdles, definitely the distractions and then the financial part. And I don't, I obviously don't gravitate towards the financial. Right. I don't like the numbers part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, your producer just asked me what year I graduated Villanova and it took me like 10 minutes to figure it out. <laughs> I have like a mental block for numbers. If I wanted to be in numbers, I I'd be in so finance. I can relate. Look what I'm doing. Yeah. I can still relate. But what a great topic. You know, you said asking for, you know, asking for the money, asking for what you deserve right. is such a big topic. And again, especially for women, I think we need to learn to be more proud of the right. work that we've done and and not not be saying it um, in a kind of braggioso way, but just, you know, this is what I do. I do it well and I right. like and I'll to deliver right. and I'll deliver and, and I'd like to be compensated for that. I agree. Yeah. Do you have you been working on that kind of in your own mental? I uh, have. Topic? And I, I have been working on creating some structure pricing structures for myself mm -hmm. so that just like any business, while my business is very personal and always has been, I don't separate business and my relationships are very personal. You know, that's just the way that I am and that's the way that I function. But I've come to realize after all this time that I need to have some fine lines and some really specifics when it comes to pricing and structuring. And just like any other business person and right. be able to confidently put that out there and know that sometimes there will be negotiating. And sometimes I think people appreciate that. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. And and you're conscientious and you're going to deliver. So that's worth a lot. Um that's all the time we have for today. I want to make sure you give the listeners your contact information and your website okay. so that they can check out your work. They can check out MaureenPetrosky.com, and that's where all of the fun things for the Cocktail Club, the most recent book, and the Wine Club can be found, and lots of recipes. And, you know, tune in. Yeah. See me on TV. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks for, for having in. me. It was I so much fun. It. it was fun. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch on WWDB Talk 860. And again, my name is Sue Rocco. And please go to our website to see who's coming on the show. Uh, our website, our new website, is womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. Have a great week, everyone.